This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. This is just so the audience knows our 11th season premiere. We're going into our 11th year, which is exciting. We're so glad to start with your film. Uh, and just as a special thank you to Bleecker Street, they let us screen the movie in the theater. It was our first screening in two years. So all the UCSB students and staff have got a chance to see the movie where it belongs in a movie theater. How wonderful. Yeah, it was a great. And we, 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 I we, wish we, I could be there. <laughs> me too. Well, it was actually good because I missed that part when we can talk, you know, after the movie, patrons talking. That's one of the things missed with the, the darn pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So, Maria, just to let you know, uh, we are monitoring every response that you have to my questions, and our algorithm will program me to make adjustments so you only get questions you like. (laughs) Okay. Let's see if that works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, I'm Your Man is based on a short story. What was about the short story that made you want to expand into a feature film? Well, actually, I had only heard about the short story. I was talking to my agent, to be perfectly honest now, because my previous feature film was a long journey of a lot of research. And I loved it, though. But at the same time, I was um, I was in the mood for something which will not possibly take five years of my life to develop. It was a lot of research, the one before. So I talked to my agent and and then she said, you know, there is this short story chosen to be made uh, for a film. And uh, and it's about a robot and a woman, I believe. And I don't know, sometimes, you know, you can hardly explain. I immediately started to have my own fantasy without even having read the short story. I thought that is interesting because a love story and then not a real love story, a man, a woman, not a man, a robot. It maybe, you know, it, it, it's just, yeah. And then I read the short story and, um, and the premise, we kept the premise. The premise is that, um, you know, Tom is a new generation of robots designed, particularly uh, modified for a specific person, for Alma. And um, so we kept that premise. The short story itself goes some very different way into a more traditional um, battle between the human and its creation and ends in destruction and death. (laughs) That is how it So then... um... So then what was the biggest challenge for you and your co-screenwriter, Jan Schomburg, in trying to like making that into a bigger story or changing the direction of it? What would you find structurally was your biggest challenge? Well, um, I think it was, we always reminded us that it was about, um, that they shouldn't interact like you know like humans it was it took us a while to understand that it's better for us if this is something really new for mankind and for alma that there is no reference that these kind of robots didn't arrive in society yet there was no experience so what's what's really interesting um 
And also while directing, I always thought this is the main thing. She cannot predict him as she might be able to predict a human. She doesn't want him. She doesn't like this whole concept. And still she observes him like an eagle. You know, she's like, because she knows all these stories. She has all these stories in herself like we do about, you know, a creature, a machine, all of a sudden trying to start a revolution against her or maybe being dangerous. So yeah, the super attention of both for each other. That was something um, which we always tried to, to seek for. Yeah, it was interesting because I just going back to, because there's a question later, but I think we'll jump to it now. I love the moment where Tom interacts with the deer and they're not afraid of him. The animals are not afraid of them. So it was a nice choice of not making the robots physically dangerous because every AI movie always makes the robots dangerous. Exactly, exactly. That was a very conscious choice that we thought, what if, what if we are all fed with the stories and the fear, but what if um, an individual like Tom might turn out to, um, to bring all the achievements which we might call specifically human, you know, the reason, the empathy, the, civil, the, the civilization, you know, the um, controlling our instincts, controlling our effects. Maybe he turns out to be better at all of that. And, um, and it's interesting. It's interesting because I might ask to evaluate if he should be, you know, able to, to carry a passport and to be able to, to work in our society or to marry and um, be responsible. And he turns out to be much more responsible than I myself. Yeah, but it's interesting because, but how can you get married if you don't have, you know, he doesn't have agency to make that kind of choice. So it was, it was nice themes wrestle it. Exactly. Let's get back to Alma is obviously the central character. She's devoted to her research, zero interest in romance, coming from a trauma. Uh, how did you go about creating that character who is fundamentally against the human desire of love at this time? Well, I wouldn't, I, I'm not so sure if I agree with you. I think, you know, she's quite a normal person I identify with her and I you know she on the one hand side she is lucky enough to have lived through a real you know human love story so she experienced love she is um she's demanding she's in the mid of her 40s she wouldn't be happy with anyone you know she'd rather she loves her work it's a complex modern and then normal woman Maybe we don't see people like her too much on the screen yet, but I have a lot of friends like that, um, you know, really dedicated, um, fulfilled by their work, but not necessarily, and still, you know, with a hope for romance, but definitely not a robot romance, definitely not a substitute for the real thing. She's not that needy to um to take a machine <laughs> then she rather stays on her own and she doesn't suffer from it right so i think i mean with all the scripts i've co-written so far i i identified with her and i think she's a kind of here and there she's an alter ego to me yeah. but now tom is interesting because in crafting his character because he is obviously totally you know, based on her 
in some ways is a reflection of her or her secret desires or even subconscious desires. How do you go about creating a character who is based on even a subconscious desire of the other character? Well, now that we are talking script to screen, I can reveal that we, you know, we thought about, will we see the tests? Will we see Alma in the labs? Will we see, you know, how machines scan her, her brain? Do we, I mean, a much more general question, do we really create that future world? And then at the very end, and, and there were some of these scenes, to be honest, we wrote that script very fast. So it was astonishingly fast. It was like, I don't know, eight weeks in total. And it was, yeah, some something felt easy. Um, so then we threw it all away and we thought, no, no, it's much more interesting to not create future world like in her, to have a human being in the center. And the movie is obviously about what it means to be human and not what it means to be a machine, right? So it's just, it's a sensation. She meets him and she doesn't know how that works. And she tells her dean then, yeah, they tested me and they scanned my, and I had multiple choice questions over and over. And we all have our own fantasies. And then Tom, yeah, he's like, he comes straight out of, you know, the factory. So he is still in, during their first meeting, he's a clumsy, you know, and that was great fun to, to, to start. And that was very clear from the more, from, from the beginning, we start with a blind date and the blind date is a mixture of, you know, something which a machine thinks is romance and giving strange compliments and something Alma things should be a test you know what she learned how to test a machine a robot and asking all these questions and then he kind of slowly slowly develops and adapts well speaking let's go a little about let's talk about a little about your cast we'll start with Alma what did you see in Marin Agat that made you felt like she would be the proper the perfect person to play Alma she was just so human. <laughs> I knew her before. She's Berlin-based. I'm Berlin-based. Uh, we we worked on, in, in the same theater. We never, you know, were in a production together, but we were on the same stage. I knew her work, and I asked her into the audition. And um, and from the very first task on, she had this beautiful mixture about. Um, comedy and depth and I think she is so beautiful and then she looks very normal she's kind of unpredictable and also as an actress she would just throw herself in scenes she wouldn't she wouldn't come with an exact plan or some kind of a self-developed choreography or something in the country to Dan um, and that would be a Next question, I believe, of right? Course, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll jump over your question. Sure, no, this is exactly what we're talking about, Dan, you know. Uh... <laughs> so, yes, I think Dan's work, if you look at Legion or The Guest, you know, it's 
it, there is such a precision. You know, there are moments I can see in, in others of his work um, that I discovered Tom in moments, you know, and, uh, and then, yes, but I have to say a bit more about Dan. So from the beginning, I thought it might be very interesting to not cast a German actor, to, um, to first of all, find someone who is not that immediately recognizable for a German-speaking audience. It's my first German-speaking film. So, um, and also having someone who is very good in German because the, the lines of, of Tom are very complicated, even for a native speaker. It's, it's, he must be very fast and it's very high language. So, but still having an actor, finding an actor who brings some kind of strange foreign aspect into the language. Maybe that's easier then to, um, to get into this deal, to buy the deal. Okay, Dan Stevens is a robot, even though we don't open his head and we don't see any kind of, you know, uh, proof <laughs> that he really is a robot. And yes, um, we were at the, uh, the pandemic. We, we shot during the pandemic. It was very hard to, you know, we met via Zoom, like we meet now. And I sent him the script and uh, I knew he was talking German because he shot in Germany before. And then we just started talking about it. And, um, and I couldn't be happier. Oh, and then the last thing. And of course, I wanted Tom to, to be like this how do you say, ideal, good-looking man. We were always talking about, I always thought about a timeless gentleman, something Cary Grant-like. And also I thought about Ken from Barbie. So yeah, I was looking for this very talented, very well-speaking German, very good-looking actor. And it felt like a winner in the lottery. He also had, he has really good comedic timing too, though. You yes, know, you definitely deliver the jokes with a very, you know, they're not the easiest jokes to deliver, too. It's just, it's very, and it was just, he was perfect at some of those lines. Yes, um, yeah. Now, traditionally, films, when they have robots, often sexualize them and they're usually making them female. You know, Blade Runner, Westworld, Ex Machina, Metropolis is a long history of female, sexualizing female robots. Yes. What was the challenges and or fun of flipping that trope a little and making it the male? Yeah, that was actually also one of the one of these aspects which intrigue were intriguing from the moment I heard about this um, uh, the short story by Emma Braslavsky that I that I immediately thought, oh, interesting, the robot in the love story is the man and not the woman. Yes, and um, I mean. It is very interesting because I totally feel like Alma. I have no interest. I have no sexual, I, I can't find sexual attraction in, in treating another individual as an object, for instance, right? I, I, I'm again and again surprised when people uh, say, what's Alma's problem? You know, a lot of men you know, say, what is her problem? Why is she hesitating so, uh, so much? 
And then we, you know, we we also have the scene very late in the movie where we see Dr. Stuber with the female um, a robot. I, I like that scene very much because it kind of surprises you. At first you think, yes, of course, the 60-year-old with this attractive, one beautiful. Then he is very honest and Alma understands okay, there are a lot of people who never experienced love. And of course, it's it's about loneliness. The whole film is also about loneliness. And then who could blame anyone to rather have, you know, someone like Tom in the house than no one? But this guy, for instance, makes very clear that for him, the fact that she is a servant, a machine, a... Um, an object it's not such a big problem like for Alma he's already negotiating you know how much money you have to pay to to keep her for good so all of this is so foreign to Alma and this is had is of course has to do with gender with with the roles and that rather the women have been objectified during centuries and it's fun to add some different images to this and I, and I felt it very clearly for instance when we shot the scene on um where Alma asks oh so let down your yeah. your trousers let me see what's made for me right and even and then he does it and I I felt in the team around me and all these people it was kind of it was kind of still a bit sensational that he would just let down his trousers obedient to her demand <laughs> yeah it was interesting and we'll jump to that scene just for now and we'll go back to the beginning but i mean she throws wine in his face she makes him display on you know anger on command nudity uh you know he has no sexual agency like he has no rights in this situation it was obviously uncomfortable for the audience how did you approach that scene especially directing because it's kind of touching on a lot of difficult thematic things are you talking now about the scene i was just talking yeah, about exactly. yeah that was one yeah that, that whole scene they, they don't have sex the... yet. we talk about that later but that scene where she's basically forcing them to have sex fundamentally uh was that a difficult scene to shoot or were you like very conscious of how are we going to do this because it's very sensitive well i had um the luxury to be able to sit with both of the actors for let's say I think 10 days prior to shooting and we talked through everything and we read the lines and we talked about how we see it you know I um Ima's apartment was a stage built the office was just above it so we could we could go down even if the if the apartment wasn't finished yet we could start to rehearse a bit. I could tell them, see, this is how I see it with a big distance between you both. And um, and with all my project, I thought that that's really helpful to, to have some time and, um, and talk to the actors before. And then shooting it, it was basically fun. And, and, and I can't, I can't repeat enough that I'm very grateful for Dan who who immediately understood these scenes you know there are 
within very good looking male actors, you encounter this permanent will of being, you know, the good guy, not, you know, to, to, to be in the good light, to be, to be not, you know, the, I know so many actors who wouldn't really like doing this, what he did. And, um, and he had, yet, I mean, he was an ally to me. It was fun. All right, so let's go back. We're going to talk a little about your opening scene. The film has an amazing look. I mean, the, the, I love the romantic lighting of your blind date scene, which you mentioned. How did you approach that scene, the overall look with your cinematographer? Of uh, What kind of look do you want for the film? So after the decision that we won't um, create a future world, mm. um, we said it's still interesting to find locations which haven't been seen in movies so far. And then, so the Pergamon, there wasn't a fiction, there wasn't a feature film yet, which was allowed into the Pergamon. Um, the university where she works, it's, it's, it's a very new building in Berlin. It's, a, it's the museum of the future. They allowed us to install the, um, um, the university there. So what I liked is Berlin is, is, you know, there are so many architectural collisions in the city and, um, and also Alma's apartment is a very typical Berlin um, apartment built after the war. Um, so, and then also the ballroom is something very typical Berlin. So I like this idea of, of um, having recognizable, very, um, very decisive and very different locations. And um, And approaching them with um, not, uh, how do you say, I'm sorry, my English, how do you, with some modesty to not, you know, some, I wanted it to be classical a bit, you know, in, in the setups, in the, in the sizes. I didn't want the camera to become crazy. I want it to be a bit timeless and um, and have all these really beautiful locations um, uh, um, be powerful by themselves without a lot of additional dances with, with camera and lights. I like one of my, I love the scene where like we see uh, Alma's point of view of uh, Dan dancing the rumba. It's one of my favorite shots. Where he, <laughs> yes. Because you know, almost like, but I also like, but it was interesting later when you had that great moment where the only time Alma was interested in dancing was when she was testing the limits of the holograms. Yes. Like, there was such a fluid moment where she's putting her hands through. I love, that was like, oh, the scientist mind was really getting excited on that one. Uh, there was some really great shots with that. Um, okay, so what's up? Uh, I've been in many, many awkward car rides in my life, but watching Tom and Alma in that car ride home, I really wanted to get out of the back seat. It was so uncomfortable. Uh, 
uh, I mean, Tom mansplaining and kind of like doing all these telling me the thing. It was brilliant and funny. Uh, so what was the what was your conversation the three of you to make that scene work so well? To be very honest, learn your lines and do it fast. <laughs> it's I think specifically in German, it's uh, it's one of the most complicated scenes for Dan, and he was uh, he was very nervous because these sentences are so complicated, and um, so he had a dialogue coach, and he just worked very hard and I thought it works best if you know Alma is kind of poker face and he's trying to be you know to connect he's trying to have a conversation and uh, um, so yeah it's it's it was basically make it as speak as fast as you can as late you know effortless and fast <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the visual moment when Alma just drops down the seat was perfect. Yeah. That was she didn't need to say anything. It was just her reaction. I did also like when he gets home. I mean, she's a fiercely, fiercely independent woman, uh, but he's tidying up her house for her, you know, cooking for her. It was a nice little flip of kind of the situation, uh, especially flipping the common gender roles on that one. That was was that something conscious you were thinking of? You want to kind of play with that having you know, Tom do all those things? Um, he is designed to make her happy and uh, whatever it might take, he's, um, I mean, I specifically loved the idea that the robot puts the, um, puts the books in order to cut uh, to colors and, um, and that he destroys the, the chaotic order of I must things it's it's a nightmare basically and it's it's funny and uh yeah so but getting back to the human relationships I mean there's so much great tension between Julian and Alma in their scenes especially early on how did you want to kind of like compare their relationship to Tom and Alma's relationship um Yes, it's interesting. Julian, I'm I have to say I'm so happy to uh to have um to have that particular actor to play him because uh I forgive I forgive Julian these I mean he is just he is I mean he doesn't he's a liar, he's a coward, he uh, He's clumsy. He doesn't think much. I mean, it's, he talks, he asks questions and at the same time he wants to talk about himself. I mean, like we are, it's, it's very, you know, we're all so self-centered that the moment we start a conversation, we actually want to talk about ourselves. And Thomas just, he actually want to know who Ima is and how he can, you know, achieve what he's made for. I mean, this, this interesting mixture of masculinity and naivety, naivety, like almost like a newborn, almost like the absolute absence of sarcasm, of aggression, of egotistic self-centeredness. This is something very unseen, I think, and um, disturbing also. Um, 
And Julian, yeah, Julian, I mean, what can I say? He he's a good looking guy and and he just he just doesn't dare to conf to to tell the truth and he's very human uh half true in everything what he says um and still and still charming i did like though the first time she kind of for me had any romantic interest in tom was when she was looking down at julian and tom together like when they're putting the painting in the car there's a moment where she's from the balcony looking at tom yes it was nice i think little it even starts earlier i think it starts earlier that that tom impresses julian so much right yeah that is something she enjoys <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the ex-boyfriend's approving of the robot Ooh, interesting um so but one of the themes i what i really liked was the fact that tom is kind of like a mirror to her soul like when she when he finds out about the research and calls her tears egotistical did you always want to have tom as a mirror kind of like being able to look straight into uh alma directly and see who she is i think as much as he wants to please Alma, it's um, he also wants to understand humankind, right? Yeah. Um, and that is, and that is also something very difficult for us to to imagine that there might be an individual who thinks it doesn't matter if you are rewarded for it as long as it's in the world as a revelation or as a scientific uh, work, right? Who cares? Is the, so that is also very unknown to us, right? We all uh, think about us, our careers, our achievements, and that, and that's, yes, we care mostly about our own needs. And Tom obviously does not that is something disturbing and um and sometimes you know maybe one day there is there are these other species and they look down at us you know and as we look down on animals <laughs> and the only remaining things for us are our instincts our you know idiotic human imperfections um it's also a bit intimidating well and i was also interested i love the scene previously where he uh was watching the videos of you know people you know the, yes. those home yeah, videos yeah, yeah and that was like it was it was actually fascinating because even i was look i was trying to look at a robust point of view it's like oh my god this seems silly if anybody actually saw this what kind of people are we that we enjoy this <laughs> yes 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 and at the same time I mean, Jan and I, the co-writer and I, we we kind of started to be to be more generous with our own kind again, and um, because yes, we are very imperfect. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, but it's interesting because we talk we talk about Dan, uh, Tom being the mirror to Alma's soul. She demands that he have sex with her. But she, he knows that she doesn't really want that and rejects her. 
I was really taken by that moment when Dan actually walks away when she's drunk. Yeah, I think she just wanted. She just, you know, that night means, okay, now show me what you've got. And now I'm trying you out, right? This is uh, what I'm asked for. Now let's see what you can do. I think, I think Tom understands by then that um, she will not talk to him any longer the next morning if he would sleep with her at that moment. You know, she would hate herself. She would hate him even more. Um, maybe that's what the algorithm understands, that she is seeking for, you know, an individual with a free will. You know, he has to perform the free will because this is what she wants from love. You know, she doesn't want, she doesn't want a relationship you can buy. You do, she doesn't want uh, someone you can program to do certain things. So he has to pretend to be unpredictable. The algorithm is learning, right? And now we are coming back to what's a woman and what's a man. So she has particular, a big problem with um, a man. She cannot fall in love with someone you can program. But she kind of begins to, which is interesting. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always... because she forgets. She yeah. wants to forget it. Yeah. And, like I like, and I was always wondering, and I was wondering this, when the case, when Alma discovers that the caseworker is a robot, which is actually one of my favorite twists, because she's such a brilliant scientist, she should never be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was such a great moment when she actually got tricked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, at the end, I think her reason and her emotion they kind of part, right? While she, while she dictates these these lines for the evaluation, she does some. She does the opposite, yes. And uh, and that was an interesting thing for the whole. It was an interesting thing for the whole movie, and for and for the scenes, how to approach the scenes, because it's yes, part of it is a romantic comedy and. Uh, and with two actors like Man and Dan, at first we think it's impossible. That's the setup for the romantic comedy, right? No way, it will not happen. And then, you know, we start developing also feelings for, for Dan, for, for, for Tom. And actually we want them to get together, right? So the question always was, do we want the audience to just forget that do we want to make it easy for the audience? Just forget that he's a machine and he's getting better and better. And then you cannot, you know, then he's just like a regular human. Or is, isn't it more interesting to have the machine being visible and the most awkward to be always reminded he's not a human. And still, and, and also Alma is always reminded he's not a human. And still she starts falling in love with him and 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 getting into trouble and a conflict with herself yeah i mean i mean there's a great moment where he brings him she brings him home to the family to meet dad and the sister and the nephew and they build the story of the other childhood the, the meadow scene uh that was our you know the romance thing uh but it really seemed to have to be earned though because if, if she did if she went too early to that it probably wouldn't have worked 
Exactly. I mean, she he gives her the promise that they just go through the three weeks and leave each other alone, right? She doesn't want anything from him. He shouldn't bother. And so, and that's, and then there is the Julian scene where, as we said, she's really impressed. Um, yeah, and then she takes him to her family. And I think the moment he agrees to let the whole love thing out of the game she kind of relaxes right and then and then they have this walk and then they really start to invent a mutual you know story how they met and everything and then yeah without without realizing she falls in love yeah that was uh and that that was and Again, very interesting for uh, the character of Tom. Kind of knows all this because he's programmed to understand her and he gets to know her more. Uh, I was struck by the, the balance of comedy and sometimes real tra tragedy and trauma. I mean, the scene, the housewarming scene, I mean, you know, Tom catches a fainting girlfriend, funny, and then the great robotic dialogue. But then we all go to where we discover, you know, the loss of the child. Um, and takes in a sequence. How did you approach that sequence? Because you're starting with the comedy, but then going very dramatically in the same, almost in the same beats, very quickly. Um, yes, I think um, I think we both are in um, we both are in love with uh, some kind of unpredictability I, I i actually like when people say we both i mean my co-writer jan schomburg and i and um and of course you know the father already you know the father is already you know i mean he symbolizes no he doesn't symbolize but he's so human he's old he's going to die you know of course what's the difference between us where is the gap you know can you would you ever feel loss? Is there loss if you don't live and you don't die? Is there sadness? Is there, you know, everything we share this with every other human, you and I, we share the experience that you can miss moments in your life and they will not come back, you know? And is there comfort from a machine who would, who doesn't know what we're talking about? <laughs> so, Yes, of course, um, and it is. I mean, it's 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 a theme for it's it's still a big theme for a modern woman in our time and a working woman. It's a question about family. It's about when do you do this and and do, will you find the moment? Will you find the partner, the loss, the, the melan melancholy about it? It's, um, yeah, it was pretty clear from the beginning that it, sh it should be not only a comedy, that it should be, yeah, I mean, it should be a tale about love and loneliness and longing and loss and, all of that. That's what I love about, you know, the simplicity of the setup. That's, this is what we felt right in the beginning with, you know, it, the combination of Tom, the encounter of Tom and Alma asks, 
some fundamental questions which we cannot answer yet. We don't have an answer ready for this. Yeah, I guess I, I gotta just uh, uh, say that the harp, the scene was so heartbreaking when they play the game of warmer and colder to discover the ultrasound. Uh, that was actually one of the most moving scenes to me. Uh, Thank you. The, um, but, and also, the, so the portrayal of the sex scene was unique in many ways, because as Tom focuses, I like focus, talking about the orgasm and how it appeals to their scientific mind. But how did you approach that sex scene with your actors uh, to try to keep it within their, that supports the characters in their own narrative journey? So yes, when it comes to sex scenes, it's always an embarrassing and it's, uh, you know, a passion in movies. It's difficult, bad scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, having the concept of Tom who is better in basically everything. You know, he rescues the lady at the birthday party, or at the housewarming party. He, you know... He speaks every language. And then what? He's also the better lover than any other human. And where does this lead to? You know, what, what exactly am I supposed to do then? <laughs> it's, um, it's, well, I, to be honest, I think what's the most interesting, what's the most interesting thing about that scene is Alma trying to step in her head over this obstacle, over his her knowledge that she's not sleeping with a human, you know, to to allow herself to, you know, to let to allow herself, her body, her desire to what does it take to forget this, you know? And so I thought that's maybe the most interesting thing to stay on Alma's face and this inner, this inner battle. Do I get there? Can I get there into the for, forgetting all of it or just ignoring it? I think that's, that's the, that's the theme of the scene. And it also leads to the brilliant next scene where she's, putting covers over him, tiptoeing around not to wake him up. So almost like, again, she's trying to forget that he's a robot, but then knows yeah. that she needs to end the relationship, but still can't end the relationship on her own. So there's a lot going on there. Like she asked him to break it off, really, to walk, yeah. walk away. Um, so for you, that, that so it's almost like, would you say that there may be a situation where she's a, there's an addiction going on here where she, you know, she can't, like, she knows she should stop, but she needs him to break it off? The addiction we all call falling in love, right? <laughs> the, um, yeah, against better knowledge. Um, we've all been there. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I actually, I like that too. Yeah, I, you have to help me. You have to help me now. You have to go take the key with you. No, I mean, yeah, it's irrational. It's it's all irrational. At the end, it is rational. And then he get, he becomes very irrational. This is one of my, this was Jan's idea. 
this moment, this image that he's at the glass container down at the, and she, he puts his head at the glass container. It just doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense uh, that he plays with the deers, but uh, it doesn't make sense that he puts his, as if he could hear something in that container, something poetic, unexplained. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's irrational. Both become irrational. That's, uh, that was very, uh, well, and of course, we go to the end where Tom knows she's going to go to the childhood vacation home. Uh, you know, so there are, I love the scene where she's on the ping pong table telling that she was, you know, the boyhood Tom kissed her. Uh, was that always the ending you intended? Kind of semi-open because you cut the black before we see the kiss, theoretically. Uh, well, that was, yeah. That was structurally, you know, yes. So we were very happy with um, this idea that um, the woman from the factory tells them when when he picks him up, right? That it's uh, to invent a story, and um, and then there are yeah there are these structural waves that she says don't get close to me the moment he agrees just you know let's have a friendship without any pressure she relaxes then um and then inventing um denmark you know denmark which is it's it's very typical for german north from northern germany you know families i i used to go with my parents to denmark a lot of people would go in, to denmark and then um and then inventing inventing that and um and yes from that moment on it was clear the moment they um they came up with this idea that her childhood friend she fell in love with her first love basically as a child that he is maybe him and yes then it was clear then it was clear that it has to lead there that was a great moment uh it was uh okay so we're going to have some audience questions and my uh my one of my producers who works with me audrey is going to pop on the screen and has been gathering some audience questions for you okay hey audrey Hi, hello. Hi, Audrey. <laughs> so we have some questions from the audience. Um, the first one is uh, from Hannah. Hannah asks, if you can speak a little bit about the issue of memory throughout the film, Alma's father is in the process of losing his memory through dementia, while Alma's relationship with Tom depends on constructing new yet artificial memories of their past. How did you envision the relationship between humanness and memory when creating this film? Well, I, um, we spoke a lot about it. That's a very interesting question. And um, I don't know if this is still in your world or in the university world the same. I have a lot of people around me, for instance, who are a bit uncomfortable admitting that they met their partner in the internet or in the uh, um, dating way. So I just, just a couple of months ago, I talked to a friend and he said, oh, you have such a great story how you met your partner. I think we have to invent a story too. I think it is very human to um, 
to create to create um let's say sometimes sometimes i see it like um like the map and the roads and streets of a city you know your all your all your memories and then you just love this one story about you you love the story about your childhood you love the story about you know your relationship and it and it becomes a highway because it's it's going to be a very big road because you go it all the way uh, all the time again and again and you keep repeating specific experiences and you favor some memories over other memories and um, and this is how you also create your own personality and your view onto yourself I think we are all how we present ourselves by the choice of what we talk what we tell others about memories we create a persona i think very different to the machine who just sees it all um doesn't forget and not necessarily favors thank you um the next question is that uh katharina asked about alma's position as a researcher in sumerian cuneiform writing um, how did you decide to make that almost profession? Yeah, that's a good question. And that was really, that took us a while because as I said before, we decided it must be a new creation. How do they meet? Why? Alma doesn't want this, but then how do they meet? So there was the decision, it's a new prototype. And it has to be tested. So there is this ethic commission, which we have in Germany, you know, that Angela Merkel asks science, scientists and all these people, you know, to debate. So then we said, okay, what? So she, she should be in science and um, she must be forced to go into this test. By whom? Well, by her boss, by a dean. So let's say anthropology. Um, so the dean is asked into this commission. So she, you know, loosely works in anthropology. And then we thought, what could it be? And then, of course, it's, you know, she is the, the, uh, the human from present times tom is the machine from the future and what if she is busy with you know the beginning of human civilization with the first you know and also what's kind of cinematic what would be you know would she be archaeological what's the word for it if you dig for things we, we thought about that and then we came up with cuneiforms that's the word, right? In 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 English. Yeah, it's the first writing. Yes. And um and this is actually how I convinced the people from the Pergamon Museum, also because it's it's just beautiful. I said, imagine, you know, here is here's Alma from our our days, and then there's the future, Tom, and then they have the first kiss under the roof of the antique. 3000 year old uh, Millet portal, you know, and then, and that's how they allowed us that the both actors go into, into this building on the, on the wall. 
so yeah it's uh yes this is how how we developed this idea that that she looks for poetry in very first in the first uh, writing of mankind this is really fun i mean i'm happy to to answer more questions yeah we do have one last question um as we are an academic institution um we would like you to be professor for a moment and um if you were to assign us one movie for students to watch to study screenwriting which movie would it be <gasps> oh my god so um just to tell you, I didn't even graduate from regular school. I didn't finish my acting school. I've never seen a film school from inside. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm basically, I learned everything um, by doing it. Have you ever heard of a filmmaker, a theater director, Ariane Nushkin? She did, a, she did an outrageous movie on Molière. It's called Molière. This is a basically the movie which inspired me to, you know, become an actress. And um, it's a it's a collision of theater and movie, and it's a movie which will, would not be made again in our days. It's outrageous in every sense. Well, we thanks so much for coming, and this has been a we really love watching the film and the theater, but also getting to talk to you about it. Of course, in the future, we'd love you to come to Santa Barbara and showcase whatever film you want to show of yours when, you know, it's safe. Thank you very much. That's a wonderful invitation. I have to say, I haven't seen I'm Your Man in a movie theater. I've seen it once in public on a screen. That was the Berlin Festival open air, you know, but I haven't been inside a movie theater <laughs> so far. And I haven't been in Santa Barbara, so thank you for the invitation. Oh yeah, we'd love to. So thanks so much, and thank you for the audience for joining us today. It was a great pleasure. Thank, thank you for all these questions and your interest. Bye-bye. Uh, all the best. Yeah. Uh, Bye. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.